Hi, you're listening to Two Weaves in a Trench Coat. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Madison, and I am so sorry for any noise in the background right now. The AC is going because I live in California, and it's 90 degrees in February. Ew. (laughs) Yeah, we've had, like, high wind advisories on and off the last couple of weeks. We've had winds up to, like, 30 miles an hour, I think, was the highest it got. Oh, God. But that didn't last for a super long time. It's It's been averaging like 20 when it happens. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, there's just a random heat wave. And it's been high 70s. And I think today it peaked at 90. And it's it's February. <laughs> I don't like that. I should not have to run my AC in February. Yeah. Yeah, it's to disgusting. Be fair, I don't really understand how weather works out there because I just assume it's just hot all the time. I mean, you're not wrong. We don't have seasons. They're just all variations of summer. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I don't know what um what real seasons are like. I have never experienced true winter or anything ever in my life. <laughs> I've seen snow. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. I know how to put on tire chains but like if i lived anywhere else in the true winter i would probably die (laughs) yeah when i lived in ireland there was a week where i didn't have school because it was too icy oh my god imagine (laughs) um god it is my episode today um (laughs) it is it is my episode that was more for both me reminding myself and also telling the audience like we don't switch off every other episode already well there was that time you did like three weeks of death notes oh so. god yeah i hope everyone loved and or hated that because i'm not doing it again <laughs> i'm not that that was too much like i'm not even gonna do it for jojo and that's my current pitiful brain rot hyper focus <laughs> i'm like i can't that's too much but what do you know what do you know about Hatsune Miku slash, like, Vocaloids in general. Because that's what I'm talking about today. Um, I know Miku is the one with the long blue pigtails? Bluish, greenish? Yeah, turquoise. Yeah. She's a cute anime girl who sings, and people are really into her. I never really understood it, because I'd see people talk about Miku, and because I was, like... 12 or 13 when i first saw it i was like oh what anime is she from and then i couldn't find the anime and i was very confused (laughs) that's fair (laughs) and then i'd see fan art of miku and then people kind of look like they were also wearing different versions of her outfit and i was just very lost yeah there are a lot of youtube amvs yeah no that's fair and valid i actually didn't get into vocaloid myself until like Honestly, right before the pandemic, like 2019. Oh, it was another one of your hyperfixations? No, it's not. Like, right before the pandemic. Like, late 2018, most of 2019. Like, I was not into Vocaloid, like, during the height of American weebery about Vocaloid, where everyone was dressing up as the characters at, like, conventions and stuff. Like, Mm mid-2000s, where you... Could not walk five steps at any convention without hitting a Vocaloid or Homestuck cosplayer. Yep. 
was not into it then, did not get it. I think I listened to like one or two of the super well-known spooky, scary, like creepypasta question mark songs that like everyone knows mm-hmm. and then just never really got into it or cared. And then I think maybe it just like a song came on in my recommendeds or there was like an animation meme or something on YouTube. And I was like, okay, this slaps actually. And then that translated into getting tickets to see Miku on a small tour before she was supposed to play at Coachella in 2020. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it was like it was supposed to be in April of 2020. She's doing like a minor tour in like the States before doing Coachella. And then neither of neither of those happened. So <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I remember this because I had a friend in college who's, like, super into, I don't know, I feel like he's super into, like, cute anime girls, but, um, hmm. I just remember Zach telling me, like, oh, yeah, uh, he has tickets to see Miku, and I was like, the anime girl? And he's like, yeah. So, to be fair, I will say, I've watched a couple of recorded, like, live performances of her concerts, and... Mm-hmm. Like, the technology for the... I mean, I'll get into it in a minute, but, like, we're not talking about a real person. <laughs> She's a program. Uh, and so yeah. they, for live concerts, they do a hologram and have her, like, do set dances and movements and interactions and stuff and have a live band that plays whatever anthology of songs they've picked for that concert. And... Every year, like, the models and the projection technology just look better and better. So it's kind of very interesting to see the visual progression of how nice the live concerts actually look. Because mm-hmm. it's genuinely a really cool piece of technology, the the holograms. But for people who don't know, and I honestly still barely really knew anything about Vocaloid. Like, I have, like, the handful of song producers slash composers that I like, and I don't know anything else. (laughs) But Vocaloid is a voice synthesizer software that is specifically for singing. You can make them talk too, but I know that especially like the earlier voice banks sound really bad (laughs) when you just Mm -hmm. have them try to talk because it's not what they were designed for. Hmm. It was originally developed in... 2000 as like a research project by Mm -hmm. Ken Mochi uh, Hideki in Barcelona of all places. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't intended to be a full commercial project at all. I think it was maybe just something they were messing around with. Mm -hmm. But once they got backed by the Yamaha Corporation, which if you don't know, they do. Do you like music or instruments? (laughs) That's what they do. <laughs> Wait, so how did, like, was it like a guy or like a team in Barcelona? So it was a joint research project that was led by Hideki. So I assume it was probably a team. Mm-hmm. The details about the actual, like the actual creation of it, I couldn't really find. But I also, <sighs> I tried to read about how the program actually works and it hurt my brain so i just didn't (laughs) process any of that information because that's fair i can understand like the actual processing part of it but it's like the 
musical side of it that I don't get. Mm -hmm. Like, I had trouble when my mom made me pick up a hobby in middle school and was like, you're going to learn how to play an instrument. And I was like, fine, I'll play the piano. And I had a keyboard. I, my brain can just struggle so much with parsing how to read music. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. (laughs) It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's wizardry. (laughs) But once the Yamaha Corporation backed the project, uh, it was developed into the commercial product of Vocaloid that was released in 2004. And the software enables users to synthesize quote-unquote singing by typing in lyrics and creating melodies using pre-recorded voice banks of actual people. Hmm. And they're usually sold as like singers in a box. That's why most of them are like have a character or a gimmick because they're all designed Mm. to be like a specific vibe sort of thing. And that's why there's so many. Do we know like whose voices they use to yes. synthesize this? Or for for about ninety percent of them, the actual real life person who is the vocal credit is given credit, mm. and then there's the ten percent where they're not given credit. Which is usually it's more towards the older ones, like Generation mm-hmm. One and Two are missing a couple of credits, but. Originally, they were, like, very basic. They were like, here's a program that you can use to make music digitally and artificially with no, like, you don't need to be a singer. You can make a robot program sing for you and in your Mm -hmm. music. But later on, they were like, what if we made it marketable and then started making cute anime girls and boys? You know, as you do. Yeah. And started making cute, marketable characters that they could use to push up sales. And that went fabulously, as you can tell, because Vocaloid has not stopped going since. They're called Vocaloids. They fall under Moe anthropomorphism (laughs) just because they're not real people so they're just the scientific name yeah that's their genus (laughs) and moe jiginka if you will if you Mm -hmm. would like to be scientific but (laughs) that just translates to more or less anthropomorphism giving a human form and human traits to something that is not human or alive which is something that is oddly enough really big culturally in japan because of shinto which is just baked into hmm. the culture itself, which is just like inanimate objects have souls and you should respect them. Oh, that explains a lot now. Yeah, it's it's very easy to give like human traits to things that are not human because it's just sort of baked into the culture. <laughs> yeah, that explains like the plot of Bleach and well, at least a specific <laughs> arc also and this huge like mascot thing uh-huh like there's this account on twitter i follow called mondo mascots i think and they just showcase random mascots yes i love mondo mascots oh, i'm gonna look it up because they're so good i can't even think of a random one like they, they'll have mascots for anything they'll have mascots for like vaccines they made a mascot out of the ikea shark there is so good. a town in fukui prefecture which is a pickled mackerel popping out of a barrel. That's so good. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, like, like not to go on a Shinto cha- tangent, but I, I fuck with Shinto. I like it because mm-hmm. it's, it's not about like, oh, I gotta do all this shit now so I have a good big papa up in the sky will <laughs> let me get in. It's just like treating things and people around you with respect while you're here, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is nice. And also, anything can be a, anything and everything can be a god. Like Tama, the train cat, who was enshrined as a um, as a deity after she passed away. That was the the cat that was the honorary like train master. Oh yeah, yeah. When she passed away, she was honored with a Shinto style funeral at the station and was given the posthumous title of honorary eternal station master. Aww. And uh, after her funeral, she was enshrined at a nearby Shinto cat shrine as the spirit goddess tama daimojin so she's a goddess of the railway now and the honorary eternal station master and i love that that's very cute there's nothing to do with vocaloid but i but it's funny and it's good but yeah vocaloids are a bunch of cute little anime boys and girls and sometimes inanimate objects because there are a couple that are just like supposed to be blank slates so they don't give them a cute little anime character and they're just like here's an object to project on so the software surprisingly enough despite its widespread use in japan specifically was originally only available in english Hmm. which i didn't actually know i thought it was primarily japanese and the english voice banks came later Mm -hmm. just because you only really see the um the japanese voice banks used and stuff for the most part yeah so each vocaloid license which is each separate i believe like singer in a box concept so it's a single voice bank so you have one that's just the japanese one or the english one and it's the same voice they just have to re-record every single sound you can make with your mouth each time they add a new voice bank if it's for the same character how do you even plan that out I don't know. It sounds like so much. Yeah, I mean, there. I guess in different languages, there are some sounds you just don't make, and I guess that's where a linguist would come in, but that's also, like, a lot. Yeah, like, because each separate voice bank database has to have all possible combination of phonemes in the target mm-hmm. language. And so that's everything from, like, chains of phonemes to sustained vowels. <laughs> like, I can't believe they did English first. And they did English first, which is wild. Jesus. Yeah. And as far as I could tell, as of 2021, there are 207 total voice banks across all five generations of the Vocaloid program. Most of those are doubles and triples of the same character in different languages or different styles, like a more dark and mature sounding voice bank for the same character or a more light and cutesy voice bank for the same character or English voice bank for the same character and then Japanese or Chinese for the same character. So it's a lot of doubling and tripling up, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of separate characters too but of course there's always the more popular ones that that you see which seem to have peaked in generation two that seems to be where most of the 
very popular, commonly used voice banks and characters are from. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into the types of voice banks and like for the different generations. I'm only going to name specific voice banks from the first two generations because generation three had 69 and generation four had 80 something. So I'm not naming every single Vocaloid voice bank ever. Not for free. Not for free. That would be (laughs) way too much. But so for generation one, Yamaha started development of Vocaloid in March of 2000 and then announced that they were working on this program at the German fair Music... Music Mess? Music Mess. Music Mess. Okay, I was right, I guess. I just don't have an accent. (laughs) But so they announced that they're working on this program in March of 2003 at this German fair. It was originally created under the name Daisy in reference to the song Daisy Bell, which is known as the earliest song that was ever sung by a computer using speech synthesis in 1961 by the IMB 704. Hmm. Yeah, it's really creepy (laughs) to listen to. Have you ever heard it? No. Here, I will send it to you. We're going to take a break so you can listen to it real quick because it's kind of scary. (laughs) Like, it's cool, but scary. I mean, it is from the 60s, so... Yeah. Like, it's, it's strangely eerie and spooky, but charming at the same time, weirdly enough. Oh, this does sound like if you put a little echo in it and put it into a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not with any like vocal bank or anything that was just like the computer itself synthesizing uh speech which is also why it sounds so scary (laughs) but for copyright reasons because both of the song and of the whole other computer doing the synthesis to sing the song the name daisy was dropped when it went from like a pet project to an actual commercial product Mm-hmm. In favor of Vocaloid, which vocal and oid. I don't know what oid <laughs> would stands for, but like vocal. It's obviously got to do with speech and talking and singing and all that. It's a good name. It's a catchy mm-hmm. name. Like, I, I like it. But the Gen 1 Vocaloids are Miriam, based on the voice of Miriam Stockley. She was the third English vocal bank Uh, released for the engine with a more soft-toned sound, like much Mm -hmm. softer-toned. And she was considered the strongest English voice bank out of the three. I'm starting with her for a reason, because the first two are not credited with Mm -hmm. who voiced them. Mako was one of the first two Japanese vocal banks developed by Yamaha, and her commercial handling was done and is still done by Krypton Future Media. Basically, if it's a cute anime girl for the most part, it's probably Krypton Future Media doing that specific vocal bank. And she was released in 2004. She was the most successful of the five 
original voice banks. And her voice mm-hmm. was provided by the Japanese female singer-songwriter Meiko Haigo. Alongside her, in 2006, Kaito was released, which was just a complimentary male vocal counterpoint for <laughs> to go along with her. He initially sold very poorly, apparently. Oh, just like Ken. Oh, man. And was uh, initially considered and acknowledged as a commercial failure, only bringing in 500 units in contrast to Mako's 3,000. Oh, God. Yeah. At the time, his lack of sales in contrast to Mako were attributed to the reader demographic of, I guess, the magazine they were advertised in, which apparently the demographic was 80% male. So they're like, oh, of course the cute anime girl sold better than than the anime boy. Wow. But also, it probably has to do with the fact that his, from what I can remember off the top of my head, like his original vocal bank in his generation one is very rough and very robotic sounding in comparison to all of the other male vocaloids. Mm -hmm. So, like, he didn't really sound good. And also got updated, like, super late, too. So he kind of just sat there and sounded super robotic next to all the other ones for a good while. Mm -hmm. But his voice is provided by the famous Japanese singer Naoto Fuga, who I have never heard of, but... But those those are the three that are attributed then we have the two that are not. And this is when it gets kind of... That's why I saved them for last. Okay. So the first Vocaloid that was the first voice bank that was ever released was Leon in English, who is a quote-unquote soul-themed male vocal. His voice Um. provider is unknown, save for the fact that he was a British black singer. Yeah, as soon as you said soul, I was like, oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, Leon, along with his complimentary female vocal counterpart, Lola, were noted for their attempt to convey racial qualities within a vocal bank due to their genre choice of being programmed for soul music. He was also considered the weaker of the two uh, soul singers and weakest of the three English voices in total. Uh, which just mm. seems to be a problem of early Vocaloid that the male vocals just kind of suck. <laughs> yeah, it gets kind of worse. Um, it oh, doesn't, no. It doesn't... <laughs> I-, I thought I had a bit before I started getting racist. The racism is at least contained to Generation 1. Yay. <laughs> as far as I can tell. Because they never tried something like this again. Mm. So, you know. Lola, who is the female counterpart to Leon was noted for her deep tone that apparently, quote unquote, left her sounding like Big Ma, whatever that means, and is generally considered the better of the two soul singers. Again, nothing is known about her voice provider except that she was a black singer. This is Motown all over again. Yeah, who was established in uh, Great Britain and whose roots were apparently noted back to the Caribbean. A notable issue with her voice uh, was that when it was used for any other genre except for soul music, 
her accent would fuck up how the sound quality was. <sighs> Apparently. So everybody else gets the same different genres, but the black people can do soul, and that's about it. Yeah. Cool. Although, in contrast for, like, the kind of shitty part of this, she is known to have the oldest Vocaloid works on the website Nico Nico Duga, which is basically just Japanese YouTube, and was also used on various tracks for the film Paprika. Hmm. Which is interesting and kind of cool, but it sucks that it's still racist. <laughs> like, you can... Yeah. Like, that's cool, but y'all... Ooh, boy, you swung and you missed with these first these first couple ones. Yeah, it feels pretty typical for the 2000s, though. Yeah, like, keep in mind, this was, um, 2004. <laughs> oh, God. So, rough start. Very rough start. So, basically, ever since 2004... Vocaloid, like, different voice banks and updates have come out more or less yearly, hmm. for the most part. Like, not all at the same time or for the same character or voice style, but the updates and releases are pretty consistent. There were at least two or three, uh, there have been at least two or three a year since 2004. Wow. Yeah, going until 2018, which was the... The last updated voice bank, I believe. But this is where they went, okay, so we had five. What if we, like, tripled that? <laughs> it's like, okay. Okay. Uh, go go crazy, go wild. So, Vocaloid 2, Electric Boogaloo, was announced in 2007. Unlike the first engine, Vocaloid 2 based its... Like, they took more care in using more vocal samples as opposing to a combination of like analyzing the human voice and then also mm. voice samples which is why a lot of the later vocaloids sound better and you can tune them mm -hmm. a little better because they're not just like attempting to sound like a person they are <laughs> they is a people <laughs> the synthesis engine and user face were completely revamped apparently i wouldn't know i've never touched this program in my life <laughs> and now there's a apparently a Japanese interface to go along with the like Japanese voice banks. But mm -hmm. the Gen 2 Vocaloids are, and this is where it gets a little wild too, because this is when they started giving them personalities and cute little avatars and stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have Sweet Anne, who was billed as a quote unquote space lounge vocal sensation, whatever that means. <laughs> That's very specific. It's very specific. She was released in 2007, and her vibes were based on the Bride of Frankenstein. Not where I thought that was going. Yeah. So she's an English vocal bank, and she's based on the Bride of Frankenstein because there is also... She's paired with Big Al, who is another English voice bank from Generation 2, with a deep deep like deep baritone masculine voice and his vibes are based on frankenstein's monster okay so they were like a complimentary pair he was announced in 2007 but released in 2009 because i believe they had trouble with recording his his voice bank but yeah they went like very strange with the english the english voice banks for this generation <laughs> they were like what if we did frankenstein and his wife 
I'm assuming this is movie Frankenstein, not book Frankenstein, but yeah, it's it's very it's very B- Boris Karloff, like very mm. deep deep voice. And the second Vocaloid for Generation Two that was ever announced and came out was our girl Hatsune Miku, hey, who came out in 2007. She is an original Japanese voice bank design with the design in mind of being like a cute teenage girl. And her voice sample is done by Saki Fujita, who I believe is a... Like, most is, like, an actress. Like, most of the um, voice banks are either going to be singer-songwriters or actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is an actress. And then you have, also in 2007, you have the twins, Kagami Rin and Len, who were... Japanese voice banks, they were complimentary girl and boy voices that were both sampled by Asami Shimoda. Then you have another, I'm not going into a whole lot of detail here because there are, there are just a lot to go through. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I got distracted looking up the voice actress who did the Miku voice and it's like, Yumir from Attack on Titan is Miku? Yeah. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> I love that she's just like still does like other voice work but then is Mm -hmm. also miku (laughs) it's very good well now see now i'm looking up what she's in because i did not i was not looking like i just accepted it that oh she was a voice actor (laughs) already (laughs) uh ren and lynn were designed ren and lynn that ren and lynn (laughs) were designed to be, like, like if Miku's a teenager, they're sort of, like, preteens. Like, very cute and childish-sounding. There is Prima in 2008, an English voice bank that was designed to be, like, a sopra- soprano singer. Mm-hmm. There is Gakpoid slash uh, Kamui Gakpo, which is a male voice bank... Sampled by Japanese singer and actor Gact from 2018. Oh, what? He's he's the one with purple hair that looks like that has like the samurai vibes. Wait, are you, are you talking about the singer or the vocaloid? No, the vocaloid. The vocaloid. Oh, because but yeah. I know who Gact is. I've heard of. Yeah, well, I've heard of Gact. Yeah, Gact is his. Um, he did the uh, he did the voice. That's why the vocaloid is named after him. Oh, yeah. I was like, everyone else sounds like they have real people names, and that one came out of nowhere. Yeah. (laughs) You'll see the trend that now that they've started to pull, like, singers and, like, well-known singers, that usually the, um, even if the separate character for the voice bank has a different name, the nickname Mm -hmm. for the voice bank itself tends to be some sort of combination of, like, the character and then the person who provided the the vocal samples. Mm-hmm. Which is why you have Gakpoid. <laughs> but also Gakpo. I know he gets called that a lot. You have Megarini Luka, who is sampled by Yu Asakawa. She's big, big titty, <laughs> pink haired. Big titty, pink hair. Okay. If you saw her, you'd probably be like, oh, okay. She was released in 2009 and is noteworthy for being the first Vocaloid capable, 
like coming standard with both English and Japanese. Hmm. All of the other ones were standard, like one voice bank or the other. But she had both. Hmm. Then you have Sonica, who was a virtual vocalist modeled on the voice of a young girl pop star from 2009. Basically, if it's an if it's an English voice bank from Vocaloid 2, no one cares or remembers. Because I don't know any of these people. Mm-hmm. Have SF dash A2 Miki, whose voice was provided by Miki Furukawa and was released in 2009. I don't think I've ever seen a single song done with her. You also have Kai Yuki, who's is not a doesn't have an attributed voice, but is based on a child voice and is not meant to be a professional singer. Hmm. And was released in 2009, and you have Hayama Kyoturu, who was apparently designed to be the school teacher of the aforementioned elementary school student. Okay. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it's another Japanese voice bank, and it's another male voice bank. I like that the program has lore. It has so much lore, homie. You don't even know. We haven't even gotten to the lore. His voice was based on Kiyoshi Hiyama, which is why his name is Hiyama. I've also never heard anything done with this one. Like, I was looking at the Vocaloid Wikipedia and I was like, who are who are these people? <laughs> I've never seen them in my life. Tonio, a male voice that was designed to be a complimentary sort of opera singer to Prima, was released in 2010. Lily, whose voice was provided by Yuri Matsuda, who's a Japanese singer and performance artist from the Japanese band M-O-V-E, or Move. She was released in 2010. She's blonde. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen really anything done with her either. Then we get to the kind of weird, weird ones that I've also never seen anything done with, but they exist. There's VY1, which was developed under the code name of Mitsuki as a mm-hmm. professional Japanese female vocal bank with no mascot designed to fulfill any role and head any Yamaha Vocaloid product. She was released in 2010. So they have all of these characters and they've seen that they've gotten popular. So they were like, let's just throw out these two that are that don't have mascots so they can be whatever. You can project on them and it's fine. But people do that to the other voice banks anyway, so it doesn't doesn't matter. But she's represented in like on her box art by like either a fan or a very fancy like traditional hairpin cuz mm. girl coded, I guess. We're going <laughs> to gender the the robot. We're going to gender the vocal synthesization program. I don't know why that made me think of um what was it called? This is going to seem like such a weird reach. (laughs) There's like some product for that, I guess, some mom developed where you can glue flowers to your toddler. Because you know how babies don't look like they have a gender? Because they kind of don't at that point. Oh my god. It's like this paste kind of thing that you can put like bows and stuff on your child. Hey, sis, Hets, are you good? <laughs> I know the answer is no, but are you I saw good? a Tumblr post, so it might not be real, 
but I vividly remember this post that was making fun of it that was like, are you sick and tired of your genderless blob being confused as a boy? Why don't you just paste some shit to her head? Paste some shit to her head today. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) God, I hate that so much. That was a good post. The sissads are weird. (laughs) But continuing on, there's Gachapoid (laughs) slash Gacha Pin slash Ryuto, which is based on the character Gacha Pin from the children's program Hirake Ponkiki, which is a children's show, I guess. He's like a little dinosaur, so his, his voice bank is like a little child in, like, green clothes. I don't I've never seen anything done with this one either. He was released in 2010. Mm-hmm. We have Nekomura Iroha, who was created in a collaboration with Sanrio with a deep but cute mm. Japanese voice. Yes, if you know any Japanese, she is a cat girl. Sanrio is like Hello Kitty and I think they do Ryakuma now? Uh, I don't think so, but they do Gudetama. Mm. I love Gudetama existential crisis egg (laughs) that's my favorite sanrio character but yeah sanrio does a bunch of cutesy mascots and stuff Mm -hmm. they've been around forever if you were a 90s kid and and girl coded you probably had some sanrio shit (laughs) hello kitty oh no not even i had like dotty i don't know which is like a dog oh okay all i know is hello kitty who's apparently not a cat but a girl (laughs) Whose head is just oh, shaped no. like that? Oh, what's your... <laughs> what's your species, girl? <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> probably, if you have been in any weeb space ever, you've probably seen Sanrio stuff. Yes, Nekomura is a cat girl. Her design is actually cute and tasteful for a cat girl. Hmm. It's not like too much, or like. Oh, it's not like horny. Yeah, it's not overtly horny. Like, she's actually kind of cute. Well, Mm. mm, actually. Mm. No, some of the art is horny. Oh. Like official art or fan art? Uh, It's official art. She's got big tits. Mm. It depends, because there's, like, two versions of her. There's one where she's, like, a young kid, and it looks fine. And she's, like, not. She's just, like, a cute cat girl. And then there's, like, the sexy version that she's got huge tits, and I'm not a fan of that. Why? Unfortunate. Hmm. Society has moved past the need for milk toast sexy cat girls. Start sexualizing other kinds of girls. <laughs> there is Uta Sane Pico, who is a high pit like the first high pitched male Japanese vocal besides Len. Hmm. And Pico's voice was Provided by the Japanese pop singer Pico. And he was also released for download only in 2010. Which was notable because you could physically buy all of the other ones. Oh, okay. And then you have, I think, my favorite, which is the counterpart to the genderless but still girl-coded <laughs> voice bank. This is VY2 who is the second edition to the VY series and was designed to complement the female voice. Its code name is Yuma, and it's masculine. It sings in Japanese. And it, its character design to complement the fan-slash-hat-pin sword 
<laughs> I okay. don't know why it's I don't know why it's funny to me, but um I like that the assigned robot genders are hairpin or sword. <laughs> the two genders. The two genders, hairpin or sword. <laughs> but that's the end of Generation 2. So they really kicked it into high gear, like immediately after like they saw that Generation 1 was like pulling in numbers. They were like, okay, here you go. Here's so many. And then they just kept making more because eventually you get to ones, there's like, there's Korean voice banks, there's Chinese voice banks. I'm not going to go into them, (laughs) but there are a lot of different languages that were eventually released. I have a question about VOI2. Yes. Do they have like a official, I guess, person avatar or am I, because I just looked them up. Am I just looking at, like, fan art, or...? Let me check. No, it's just a sword. Oh. Then how come there are so many consistent... Like, who came up with this design, then? If it's got purple hair, it's it's Gokpoid. (laughs) He also has a sword, because he's samurai flavor. (laughs) But yeah, no, he doesn't have... Like, there seems to be a consistent, like, fan design for him, but he's Mm -hmm. just a sword... He's sword. His appearance is sword for all of his various generations. Vocaloid 3 launched in October of 2011, and a lot of the studios updated their Vocaloid 2 products with the new engine. So they, they updated their products for use with the new engine improved and better sounding vocal samples, which is when you really start getting the ones that can be tuned to sound like really human if you're if you're listening to like a really good producer. Mm-hmm. This is also where I put the bullet point. There are too many fucking vocaloids. Jesus Christ, I'm <laughs> not naming all of them. Sorry if I ignore your waifu or whatever. <laughs> so moving on. In October of 2014, the first product confirmed for Vocaloid 4 was the English vocal Ruby. And in 2015, several V4 versions of Vocaloids were released, which is basically just, again, updating voice banks with better sounding samples so they sounded better. Mm -hmm. And Vocaloid 5 was released in July of 2018, which basically overhauled everything, including the user interface, and did some substantial engine improvements. It's apparently only available as a bundle, and it's the first Vocaloid engine that is sold with a set of vocals included, as opposed to the program being separate and then having to purchase every separate vo- like vo- voice bank that you want to use with the program. Hmm. Because all of the voice banks are produced by different companies. Oh. Yeah, Yamaha owns the program, and then voice banks are created by different companies. Oh. Yeah. I mean, the primarily, most of them have been done by, like, Krypton Future Media. Mm-hmm. But there's also Zero G, which did a lot of the Gen 1 English vocaloids. But yeah, I believe that... Let me double check that. But I believe that it was announced after Vocaloid 5 came out that they were moving away from the program and not making anymore afterwards and they've moved on to making a different program i guess Hmm. question mark yeah but now i will 
go into the, uh, well, I'll do the top 10 rated Vocaloids as of August 2021. Please take this with a grain of salt. It was from, like, a Twitter infographic. It was the only one I could find that was about, like, the actual Vocaloids as opposed to, like, song numbers. Mm-hmm. Number one, of course, our girl, Hatsune Miku. She's the queen. She's Vocaloid 2 Bank. She's designed to be 16 years old. I don't like that. Okay. Mm-kay. Now I'm going to get into this part real quick. So when they gave them all little cute anthropomorphized characters, a lot of the time they gave them ages. And I wish they hadn't done that because a yeah. lot of people make... People like making dark and fucked up content with Vocaloids. I don't like remembering that canonically these are teenagers. Yeah, also I feel like there are certain people who are into... And also the people who are into Shoda and Lolicon. Yeah. Which is also icky. Mm. I don't like that. I mean, there are plenty of like adult designed Vocaloids. Tell you right now, there's only one of... One of them with an official age above a teenager on this list. Mm, Which is, hmm, (laughs) suspicious. But she's designed to be 16 years old. She's based on a Japanese schoolgirl. She's described as an android diva in the near future world where songs are lost. Uh, She's Hmm. cute. I like Miku. Her design is very cute and very, like iconic i will go into it in a bit because i'm going to go into the cultural impact and popularity of miku specifically but she's number one for a reason she's queen vocaloid (laughs) number two you have gumi who is skip over gumi (gasps) i did oh gumi is a v2 vocaloid who's sampled by um megumi nakajima her actual name is megpoid but everyone just calls her gumi (laughs) like i don't see anyone who when they make a song with her, call her her actual name. It's Gumi. Mm-hmm. Her age has been stated to be roughly in her teens. She doesn't have an official age, besides she's a teenager. Kagami Rin, one of the twins. She's 14 years old. She's in third place. Her brother, Len, also 14 years old. They're twins. They usually switch between, like, Gumi, Rin, and Len from the lists that I've seen seem to switch in popularity, like, between each other. But Miku is usually always on top. (laughs) There's Kaito, who was the V1 standard dude singer. There's Luka, who is the 20-year-old. She's 20 years old. Oh, good. Finally an adult. Finally an adult. So Luka is in sixth place. She's 20 years old. Then we have in seventh place, Rana, who I had to look up because I had no idea who this, this voice bank was. She's Gen 3 voice bank. She's apparently zero years old. I don't know how that works. You could have just not given her an age. (laughs) But her design is based off a rainbow, and she has amps on her head that give off a rainbow light when she sings. Her design is actually pretty cute. And in eighth place, we have OG Mako, standard lady singer, a little on the mature side in her later vocal banks. I think she's supposed to be at least also 20. I don't know. I hope so. In ninth place, we actually have Kasane Teto, who is a Utao, not a Vocaloid, officially. Utao, okay. which is U-T-A-U, is a shareware vocal synthesizer program that allows users to create and distribute their own voice banks. 
and is viewed as a well-supported alternative to the more expensive software with the same abilities. It's basically the same as the Vocaloid program, but because it's shareware, people can upload their and create their own custom voice banks. Hmm. Like, I've seen people make voice banks of, like, streamers. Oh. And use those to, like, make songs, which is very funny. (laughs) Yeah. But so Kasane is not actually technically a Vocaloid. I think she was later canonized as one. She was originally created as a troll vocaloid by fans. And then she like unofficially hung out with like Miku and stuff and people were creating all this fan content. And then eventually like she shows up in some of the like vocaloid rhythm games and stuff. So I guess she's Hmm. like officially unofficially a real character. Her surname Kasane literally means heavy sound or overlapped sound. Because I think... She was also created as, like, a heavier-sounding alternative to the original Miku voice bank. Mm Because their designs are similar. She's got red hair. She's also very cute, but she looks like a Miku clone with red hair and shorter pigtails. Hmm. And in 10th place, another one that I've never heard of is Mayu, who is a Generation 3 voice bank. She's 15-year-old gothic Lolita Yandere. Could do without the fifteen-year-old part, yeah. as the, as the rest of this. I wish they weren't given canonical ages. Why can't we just have more sword? Why do they have to have canonical ages? I don't know what the point is necessarily because I don't either. Then you're gonna have, like I said before, there are people who there are people who like cute anime characters, and then there are people who like them because they're underage. And I don't... Yeah. I'm not a fan of having their attention. Yeah. Uh, There's... Especially for some of the later voice banks, like, there are a lot of, like, between, like, eight and, like, 14-year-olds. Quote, unquote, these robots have ages. (laughs) It's very uncomfy. Mm. So I just... I ignore it, because then that keeps me sane. And I also... I also tend to listen to, like, a lot of the really darker vocaloid music where the ages are completely ignored anyway Mm. like because it doesn't matter to the story that they're telling using the character model if that makes sense because it's not miku it's a character that just looks like miku okay it's still weird and icky and i wish they didn't have official ages yeah but going into the popularity slash cultural impact of miku the name of the character comes from merging the words for first sound, Hatsu and Ne, uh, and future, which is Miku, <laughs> meaning first sound of the future, hmm. which is super cute because she's the first of Krypton's character vocal series. She was the first vocaloid that was given like a personality and a character and a design So she really was the first sound of the future, and she's that, I mean, she's been that way ever since. She's top dog. The manga artist Kei Garo was, he's responsible for coming up with her design. His only directions were that she was an android and her color scheme was, should be based on Yamaha's synthesizer, like, signature colors of their synthesizers which is turquoise that's why her hair that's is that it? color yeah that's all they gave him damn 
and Homie made an iconic little design. <sighs> yeah, the designs on her skirts and boots are based on synthesizer software colors, and the bars represent actual bars in the program's, like, user interface. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was apparently intended to have a different hairstyle, but, like, once they put on the the very long twin tails, they were like, got it in That's one. It. <laughs> That's it. That's a character design if I've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah, since the since the like booming success of her first package in Generation 2, most of the mass marketing for Krypton and for Vocaloid is Miku. Like she's their primary source of marketing. She's been in everything from commercials to like music videos, product placements, you name it. Miku's probably been there. In March of 2012, the Nomura Research Institute estimated that the sales of all Hatsune Miku brand goods added up into the region of 10 billion yen since her release in 2007. Uh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> oh god, that is a lot of money. My brain's not even registering how much that is. That's 86... If we round up, it's like $87 million. Yeah. She makes a bank for her corporate overlords. Q-Anime Girl can make you a lot of money, apparently. Apparently. Nico Nico Duga, again, the Japanese streaming website that is very similar to YouTube, played a fundamental, if the not most fundamental, role in... um the recognition and continued growth and popularity of Vocaloid. Again, like I said earlier, even back with Generation 1, there were a couple songs that were released on Nico Nico. But as soon as, like, Miku dropped, people on Nico Nico went wild (laughs) and started making songs with her voice bank. That's where we got the iconic Miku with a leak, Levon Polka. Spinning Welsh onion, which is also why Miku is commonly associated with spring onions, because it, that... it was a meme that showed up on Nico Nico. I can't remember if like Loitama Girl showed up first and then Miku got added to it. Because I remember I think yes. I looked it up for some reason. Loitama Girl was first. Yeah, because Loitama Girl is Orihime from Bleach. Yeah, her doing the Levon Polka is an homage. <laughs> But the cool thing about that is that it very quickly demonstrated the potential of the software in multimedia content creation and collaboration, which has, like, continued ever since. Fun fact, in October of 2011, Krypton showed on the official Hatsune Miku Facebook page a letter from the Japanese Minister of Economy... For, quote, contributing to the furtherance of the informalization by Minister of Economy. I don't know what that means. I think the Minister of the of the Economy went, good job making Japan a lot of money, Miku. <laughs> the flag of the city of Chiba was considered coincidentally to coincidentally resemble the silhouette of Hatsune Miku. So for her 10th anniversary in 2017, the local government temporarily changed its logo to Miku. (laughs) 
Jeffrey Kane of the Global Post, this is related to what I was saying earlier about Shinto, has argued that the phenomenon of Hatsune Miku and other Vocaloids being so popular is partly due to the inherent cultural norms and love of people in Japan giving inanimate objects a soul, which is rooted in Shinto mm-hmm. slash animism. And also in the long tradition of Karakuri Ningo, which are apparently automated wooden puppets. Hmm. Miku is the protagonist of a manga series written by Kei Garo, the guy who designed her. Uh, it's called Maker Hikoshiki Hatsune Mix. It's sort of just an anthology and just explores the many different facets of storytelling that you can do with Miku. Everything from apparently kaiju battles to, like, slice of life. There's no single storyline. So it's anything goes. See, this I think that was the part that always confused me because it was like, so you're telling me that basically a mascot that some guy drew with basically, like, two criteria contributes to the Japanese economy so much that the what, the Minister of Commerce made a statement about it? And also she has a manga where she fights kaiju? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I get it now, okay. She's got the range. (laughs) She has so many rhythm games. I'm not even going to name all of the rhythm games that she has. She has so many. Like any accomplished performer, she has a residency. Magical Mirai. Like a permanent performance location, like no, I, sorry, I know get... what a residency is. I'm just like she has a residency. Yeah, Magical Mirai in Japan. Ever since 2013, has been her annual showcase. It takes place end of winter, early spring, I believe. Wow, but it's a big deal. It's a big concert. There's always like a lot of exclusive merch and like figures and stuff that come out. In 2014, that's when Miku came and performed. <laughs> In New York and Los Angeles. I believe that's that's the year she performed at Anime Expo in LA. Hmm. She's also been on um, the Late Show with David Letterman, who I'm sure was very confused. <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine like a producer being like, so we're getting Hatsune Miku on the show. And he's like, who? Like, who had to explain to him that... It wasn't even a real person. <laughs> it's a hologram. Because they have a hologram of her set up. Yeah. And he, like, thanks the projection. It's it's very strange and awkward. Like, I saw a clip of it. It was very weird. Oh, that's so funny. She also opened a leg of Lady Gaga's Art Rave World Tour, which I do remember hearing about. Like, she was an opening act for, like, a portion of Lady Gaga's Art Rave Tour. I just, this whole thing is just so wild to me. Yeah, like, separate from anything else, like, all of the shit that goes down with, like, Miku specifically is wild. (laughs) R.I.P. Press F to pay respects. Pour one out for your homies uh, to the planned Miku Coachella 2020 (sighs) appearance that I mentioned earlier. Because I've never wanted to go to Coachella in my life. (laughs) I would have paid money to see a bunch of high off of their balls white people be incredibly confused by this hologram of a cute anime girl singing nonsense i think that would have been a life-changing experience for a lot of them yeah i mean honestly i think the combination of my chemical romance reuniting 
and oh going on planning to go on tour and Hatsune Miku planning to perform at Coachella was just too powerful and the universe just couldn't let it happen. <laughs> 2020 is really supposed to be the chosen year. Like, I think Halloween is supposed to be on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do have a quote from a nylon.com article, which I feel like highlights something that's interesting and also important in the discussion of, like, Miku's popularity. Miku and, like, not only Miku, but, like, in the greater widespread trend of like virtual performers like all of the um vtubers and stuff too like hollow live mm-hmm. so quote miku's popularity and people's response to it illuminate a lot of the contradictions that have always existed in pop cl- pop culture quote i think the presence of digital avatars in the music world has created some interesting cultural mirrors like when people say it's strange that miku is a is a 16 year old girl as if Britney Spears wasn't 16 when Baby One More Time came out, or Billie Eilish didn't just turn 18 a few months ago. I always forget how young Britney Spears was. Mm-hmm. God, that's so... Oh, that puts so many things into, like, a, such a creepier context. Yeah. Or when people comment on Lil Miquela, I don't know who that is. Uh, Lil McQuayla's pick saying, why is this fake robot trying to secretly sell me shit? As if that's not what the majority of your Instagram feed has become. <laughs> it's totally weird, but it's an accurate reflection of our reality. Mm-hmm. Another quote, the industry has been treating real people as if they're digital avatars with numbers floating above their heads. For years, what changed, clearly, are the fans, the creators, and the overall culture involved with digital avatars. All of which have been uh, symbiotic symbiotically evolving what a pop music artist can look like which i feel is more related to the talk of just overall popularity of virtual performers Mm -hmm. because if the producers didn't make anything with miku she wouldn't be popular Mm -hmm. like she exists because people make stuff with her i don't know it's it's so interesting because when you go to or you see footage from like a concert a Vocaloid concert, it's not one artist who's written all of these songs. It's they've gone to separate producers, asked to be able to perform these songs live, and then do, like, an anthology of songs Mm -hmm. from the entire community of Vocaloid, which is fascinating. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it's like... Because I was going to ask, like, so when Miku goes on tour, who wrote all her songs? But, like... Everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's, like, this collaborative effort, which I think is different from how, like, I remember, I don't know if it was, like, a news article or just, like, discussions people were having, but there was, like, this fear that, or this thought from some companies where they were, like, what if we could replace real people with robots to do all the singing? Like, robots can do singing now, so, like, what's the point of having humans do it? But, like, with Vocaloid, at least, it's, like this collaborative effort still that requires humans yeah it's i feel like for a lot of vocaloid producers which is the sort of catch-all term for people who write songs and then create the songs that use the vocaloid voice banks i think a lot of it is just about the joy of creation Mm -hmm. because you have people who just create the background tracks you have people who just write lyrics you have people who just draw the art for the music videos Mm -hmm. And then you have people who do all of it. 
every single part of it, it's theirs, and they're just making art, and they just happen to be using this cool futuristic tool that lets them make art in the way that they want. I don't know. I Vocaloid, like, I know there's an argument to be made about, oh, virtual singers putting real singers out of work, but, like, there's room for both. There is very much clearly room for both. Like, mm-hmm. Virtual singers are cool. And that's the plot of Carolyn Tuesday. Oh, boy. (laughs) But the last thing I'm going to do is talk about some producers that I particularly like. You can come at me if you want. Again, I've only been listening to Vocaloid for like three, four years, question mark. Time is fake. Um, I'll start off with, and I will also give a fair warning that most of these are like creepy slash dark slash fucked up because... The combination of, like, fucked up lyrics and imagery and then upbeat pop songs is something that appeals to me and that I like a lot. But Masa Works Design, who is most well-known for the Kitsune no Yomeri, uh, which is the Fox's Wedding. He primarily uses Gumi and Miku. His, like, style is discordant to the point that listening is almost painful and unlistenable, but somehow this dude makes it work. Like, his songs slap so hard, and I don't know how he does it, because they're, they are so, like, as someone with misphonia, like, usually a lot of discordant noise, like, will ping it for me, but Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, whatever he's doing in his songs, it's, like, almost painful, but it just works. Um, also, he's super horny on main, but respects fucked up and evil lesbians. So, like, he gets a pass. Yeah, I just looked up the song you mentioned, and it's very much, like, a lot is going on at once, and it's very loud. Yeah. But, like, not in a bad way. Exactly. Like, it takes a minute to get used to, but then if you listen to some of his other stuff, it just, it's, it's a very good techno-poppy beat. I like it a lot. And he also uses a lot of, like, traditional sounding, like, even if they're synthesized instruments, he, like, a lot of traditional sounding, like, drums and chimes and stuff, too. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I really like his producing style. His... Songs are very dark, fucked up, and very, 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 very horny, are usually about murder and dying and bloodshed, but, like, in an artistic way, but very horny. He really, really likes evil and fucked up lesbians. (laughs) And he also draws all of his illustrations for his music videos. So he's one of the producers that does everything himself, for the most part. Yeah, I'm listening to another one. It's called it fucks by the way yeah um, here let me i'll i mean i'll send you some to listen to but let me send you my favorite one while i'm here 
Yeah, Demon's March. Fucking slaps. It's good shit. Then there is Mafi slash Akuno P. P just stands for producer. It's a shorthand that like a lot of these producers use. Uh, he's well known for the Evilist Chronicles, which is like daughter of evil and servant of evil, which spawned. It's got so much lore. This series is wild. The Evilist Chronicles has deep, ridiculous lore. Like could be a JRPG with how much ridiculous lore it has. Oh, that's intense. It's got manga. It's got official life light novels. Wait, hold on. It's hold got- on. So someone made a. Hold on. Go back. So his s- series uh-huh. spans multiple albums, and they're all part of a great big story. And he made all these albums with Vocaloid. Yes. Okay. And people got so into the characters and the lore and the story that there are there's manga. There's light novels, and there's a live-action musical based on the story. I- what? Yes. I- I just, like, when we went into this, all I knew about Vocaloid is that there are cute anime characters that don't have an anime, and there's Miku. Yeah, no, there's a- But, like, that's what he's most well-known for, and it's just, like, a whole series, and it spawned all of this spin-off stuff because people cared about the lore and the characters. That's insane. Yeah. But it sounds like, like a certain era of kind of anime or just TV in general where there was, like, the style of music was very kind of theatrical, I guess. Yeah. That's probably because it came out in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Well, it feels older, though, which is weird, which is interesting. Yeah. Like, it feels like if it didn't sound so robotic, like, this would be... Oh, this is, like, the ending theme for an anime in the 70s or something. Yeah. So, here's one of my all-time fucking favorite songs, because it's about yokai and, like, fucked up shit. Spooky spirits and ghosts, and it's very morbid, it's very good, it's catchy, it's all hell. And it is by the producer Hachi, and the song is called Open and Close Demons and the Dead in English... Oh, I'm not going to try and pronounce it in Japanese because I've already been talking for too long and I'm tired. <laughs> but he's Hachi is well known for open and closed demons in the dead. He is also the one who did Matroshka. And Panda Hero and Matroshka is another well-known 
like Hachi Vocaloid song. And I know that people have specifically cosplayed the outfits from it because I've mm. seen them at conventions. It's like, it's Miku and Gumi in like these sort of brightly colored hoodies with like very specific makeup. I've definitely seen people like do them as comfy Sunday cosplays at conventions because it's like mm. just a hoodie. Hachi has like a very like upbeat style. He primarily uses Miku and Gumi. I don't think he produces Vocaloid stuff anymore and hasn't for a while. He just does his own thing like as himself. Mm -hmm. But he definitely has like, like most of his Vocaloid songs, I believe are in like the hall of the quote unquote hall of fame because they've reached a certain amount of plays slash views. And so Mm -hmm. the Vocaloid wiki like keeps track of them. Um, I like him a lot because he does like like, Hold Release, Rakshasa, and car- and Carcasses is, like, Demons in the Dead is, um, ooh, one of my favorite Vocaloid songs. It's so good. I will talk about some of the lesser-known ones before getting to the heavy hitter. There is Kurage P, who has done songs like Tashino Aru and... He has a very like punkish rock sound with like very heavy guitar, which I really like because that's not something that you really hear. There's a lot more like pop and techno and synth in Vocaloid songs than like a true sort of rock or grungy punk sound. Mm-hmm. And so I, re- I really like him because he does get that vibe of like a, a very grungy sound, a very mm. guitar heavy. I feel like that would also be difficult to do because like obviously you have, they put a lot of effort into recording like different, I guess, sounds from different languages, but it lends itself very well to like a techno style. Yeah. I think it's because he, like, he'll do versions with Vocaloid, but on, like, Spotify, he has the versions where he actually sings them himself, and it's less Mm. synthesized, and that's where, like, the actual, like, heavier guitar sound comes in for me. But Mm -hmm. I like like his vibes a lot. His songs are, they're usually sort of, like, dark, they tend towards dark themes, too. Like, Watashi no Aru is about, like, attempted suicide. But, like, with the caveat, like, of, like, hey, ask for help if you need it, please. Mm-hmm. And then there's sort of, like, the nonsensical ones, like, Churuchira, dot, dot, da, which is about, like, a jealous sort of yandere, like, class president who's trying to suck up to the teacher by slowly eliminating the rest of her class. And it's... <laughs> You don't know if that's, like, a metaphor, like, she's just a teacher's pet and a tattletale, or if she's actually, like, maybe murdering her classmates. (laughs) And that's fun. Oh, and, uh, Kurage usually uses Miku, and then Otomachi Una and Yuzuki Yukari, which I think are either Generation 4 or Generation 5. They're relatively new, because I don't, like, I don't know who they are. (laughs) Mm There's Crusher P, who is uses primarily 
Gumi and Miku in English and is one of the only producers that I that I have on my list that primarily works with the English voice banks of Gumi and Miku and tunes them really well because sometimes using the English voice banks of the Japanese specific Vocaloids they can become like really hard to understand and it does not sound like they're speaking English mm-hmm. or singing singing in English rather it just it, it can get very garbled very quickly but Crusher is known for, again, propaganda, and probably their most well-known song is Echo, which is used in a lot of, like, like animation memes on, like, YouTube, where people will just animate to the song, because it's very catchy. Seizure warning if you look up Echo by Crusher, because there's flashing lights in the music video. I just started listening to the one to Echo, and it has very, like, when did this song? 2014. Okay. This has, like, 2000s Eurodance? Not Eurodance. Like... Eurobeat? Maybe. That's what I'm thinking of. Because there was an era of, like dance music because everyone was going to the club not that i would know because i was like a child during that era but it was like this era of like wearing a mini skirt and a spaghetti strap tank top and going to the club and the kind of music you listen to there's probably a name for that genre but that's what i'm thinking of that's what it reminds me of i can kind of see it (laughs) to be fair i've only heard like 10 seconds of it so far so yeah no that's fair if you look up echo animation meme you get results for hundreds of people's original characters and like hundreds of fandoms yeah this is like a perfect amb song yeah exactly (laughs) there's also ghost who is one of the other producers that i listen to that primarily works with english voice banks they're also sometimes known as ghost and pals i believe their youtube is ghost and then like their spotify is ghost and pals um, but they have done Amygdala's Ragdoll, Honey, I'm Home, and another animation meme song, Candle Queen. Also a sort of vibe for like discordant but catchy uh, songs, usually with very dark themes and like vague religious or like fucked up bug imagery in like the music videos, which is mm-hmm. interesting. They also use Gumi's English voice bank decks, which I think may be in UTAU. And Oliver, which was a later voice bank that's, like, a fucking little 12-year-old British orphan boy. Okay. Yeah, so Oliver, the Vogeloid voice bank. Have you ever, have you ever seen Bravest Warriors? Nope. Do you know Catbug? No, wait, no, I'm, I'm fucking, nope, wrong show. 
Uh, bee and puppy cat. Oh, okay, yeah. Bee and puppy cat. Puppy cat's yeah. voice is all is Oliver. He's a vocaloid. Oh. That's how they do his voice. It, it was oh. with the Oliver Oliver voice bank. Oh, I I've, I say oh like I know what you're talking about. I've like seen it. I've never watched a single episode. That's fair. I've confused my shows for a second because in Bravest Warriors, there's also a cute little animated cat boy, mm-hmm. but that one was voiced by an actual child, <laughs> not <laughs> not a robot. A robot. No. There is Kiko, who is. Very, 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 very well known for doing very, 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 very fucked up songs. That's sort of like Kiko's whole thing. He is well known for like using primarily Miku and doing like weird, dark, fucked up fairy tale esque imagery in his music videos. His lyrics are usually about things that would get you sent to prison. <laughs> oh. Okay. It's very his stuff is very dark. The lyrics are very dark, but I find it incredibly compelling because it's combined with these very upbeat poppy techno songs. I know that he's had like a resurgence on TikTok or whatever like a while ago because people were like clipping Aishite. Yeah, I was gonna ask cosplay videos or whatever. Yeah, because this seems like TikTok. the perfect thing that would be super popular on TikTok. Yeah. I love people. Content warning if you actually list, like watch the music videos to any of his stuff, especially like Gomene. Oh, that one's dark it is about child abuse oh it's real catchy though <laughs> i mean aishite is just about like a possessive relationship but gomen is sorry in japanese for people who don't know it's if you if you look up a translation or anything for gomene it is a very dark song it is incredibly catchy and so it was very strange when i saw that like kids using it for like fandom stuff on tiktok because i'm like you have never looked up the lyrics to this this song yeah i just fast forwarded in randomly and i got the line he opens my chest and drinks my soup which i don't think is a yeah uh, I, can under- I can understand why just listening to it, you're like, oh, it's a cute song I could use for, like, my cosplay TikTok. But, um... Yeah, no. No. It's about child abuse. It's it's a very, very deeply dark and fucked up song. And... Strangely, like, for me personally, because I'm also into, like, horror and stuff, it's just, it's, his music is very compelling. Mm -hmm. A chiller song that is not... About murdering a child? About uh, continued abuse and then eventual death of a child, yeah. Is... Cat's Dining Table? Which is a much chiller song while still being kind of spooky... And it's, like, from a cat's point of view, seeing a bunch of, like, 
ghosts and stuff. It's also very catchy. I really like Cat's Dining Table. Oh, I like this vibe. Yeah! It's just about a cat hanging out with some ghosts. Still dark, but like much less dark than the than Aishite or Gomene. So caution if you listen to him, if you go to listen to him and you are not prepared for that. There is also Neru, who primarily uses Rin and Len for their stuff. A lot of their well-known songs are Lost Ones Weeping, Snobism, Becoming Potatoes, and Let's Drop Dead. One of those is not like the other ones. <laughs> they kind of they kind of have an all-over style because their vibes sort of span everything from like a more heavy rock sound to almost a sort of even ele- like electro swingy vibe. Like, out of all of them, it is probably the most interesting range. Like, snobism is very much sounding, like, very much sounds electro swing, but Let's Drop Dead sounds more like a, like a J-Rock song. Yeah, like this this is the ending theme of an anime. Yeah. And then snobism is like snobism could pass as like a fake type song and fake ty- fake type is a is a Japanese like electro sing band. But I like Naru. I but going to my last one, who I saved for last because there's some like background info and stuff that I wanted to give on him, is Wawaka. His most well-known songs is basically anything he ever did. He's responsible for Rolling Girl, World's End Dance Hall, Two-Faced Lovers, Unknown Mother Goose. It, basically anything he did was sort of iconic. And I am saying that in the past tense because on Fortunately, he did pass away in April of 2019, Hmm. which was a huge blow to the Vocaloid community when it happened, because he was really young. Uh, He was 31, and he he passed away from heart failure. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was a really big thing when he passed away. At that point, he hadn't really been making a whole lot of Vocaloid music. Like, he had focused on on doing, like, an actual band that he was in, I believe. Which, you know, like, not all Vocaloid producers are going to do Vocaloid music forever. And some of them do step away to focus on, like, actual real-life bands and stuff. But he primarily used Miku and Luca. And as, like, an OG producer, like in the Vocaloid scene. His songs are usually characterized by obscure lyrics that are mostly like metaphors or similes for stuff. Like 
they're not necessarily literal, like they are very poetic. Mm-hmm. And they usually depict the thoughts of various young women in like fast-paced, poppy melodies with occasional dark themes. He was the composer and lyricist of the single And I'm Home, which was used as one of the ending theme songs for Madoka Magica. Hmm. In an interview he gave before he, like, relatively close, I believe, to before he passed away, because it was around Miku's 10-year anniversary, Wawaka credited Miku for getting him into making music. He stated that I never gave it a second thought a second of thought 10 years ago as I posted songs, but no matter how you look at it, Hatsune Miku is the one who got me to start making music. Miku is sort of like a mother figure to me. Because even when he wasn't doing Vocaloid stuff, he went on to, like, I believe he had a record label. Like, he was produced. He was just constantly, like, making music, even when he wasn't doing Vocaloid stuff. And musician Kenshi Yonezu who is also known by his stage name Hachi when he was creating Vocaloid music, who I talked about earlier on this list, was a close friend of Wawaka in real life. Mm. After his death, Kenshi praised Wawaka for having a deep impact on the concept of Vocaloid-esque music among Vocaloid creators, and that since his own music was also heavily influenced by Wawaka, he held the greatest respect for him as, like, Mm -hmm. a friend and fellow producer. I know that the last tour that Miku, that, like, Miku did before the pandemic, like, the last couple of shows, like, I believe Magical Mirai 2020, because it's in, like, the end of winter, early spring, so it was before everything shut down. Mm -hmm. And, like, the last tour that that she did before that, I know that they had a tribute to him in the show, like, in the lineup where they played... They showed a bunch of imagery that was really, that was like an homage to how he does his music videos, which was like static images with like contrasting colors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they had like a whole tribute to him just in the middle of the show where they would do a couple of his songs in a row, which was really, really cool. It's really sweet. Yeah, because a lot of the time, something that I've noticed is that I don't know if it's just like a th- thing that i've seen in like western spaces of vocaloid fans but it seems like the like characters get the credit and not the producers Mm -hmm. so it it, it's really nice to see the community on a whole and especially the people who like own and operate miku as a corporate entity essentially like pay respect and tribute to one of the biggest names in the community, who's responsible for, like, making a lot of songs that shaped everyone else in the game, honestly. He just had, he has such a unique sound that, um, like, you can definitely hear in other people, especially, like, Hachi. But yeah, check out Rolling Girl and, like, World's End Dance Hall if you have not heard a Wawaka song before. He had good shit. Or I listened to a bit of Rolling Girl, and it has these really interesting, like, layered harmonies. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just, like, I think there's something about, like, minor key and harmonies that just makes me sad for some reason. I don't know if it's just that or because I know that this is such an, 
interesting song and the guy who made it is gone and won't make music like this ever again. Yeah. No, I just think it's, like, it's cool that, like, the software is owned by this company, but they're not, like... Because the software is... I looked it up, and it's really not as expensive as I thought it was going to be. And they, I don't think they do, no. like, a monthly subscription like Adobe does. So it's, no, like... No, you just... If you, if, if you want a specific version, you just buy it separately, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is, like, great for innovation like i mean it would be better if it was open source i guess but like you also have the ability are, to yeah there are the open source alternatives so yeah. it's like you don't even have to use it if you don't want to pay for it <laughs> yeah but i like that they encourage like basically taking their software and doing whatever the hell you want with it and like doing live shows and stuff to showcase these people's music like yeah i'm trying to think of something else that has that kind of backing from a company that isn't like that doesn't feel scummy. There's really not. Like, I, I don't think Yamaha is probably a perfect company, but, like, at least for this, it feels like they value the fans. Because, like, they wouldn't have a product if it wasn't for these people creating something that's so popular. Yeah, exactly. Like, they know that if they don't respect, or at least give some form of respect to, to the creators of Vocaloid music, then they're not going to have anything worthwhile Mm -hmm. it's just a program it's it's all of these content creators that make vocaloid what it is Mm -hmm. which i think is really really cool and interesting and it just it's genuinely really cool how varied each producer sounds how unique each producer is like no two vocaloid producers create the same sound yeah, using like the same And it's also really cool. <laughs> like the same like voice bank and make entirely different songs. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Exactly. Here, I have an entire Spotify playlist that's just Oh god. It's literally called Vocaloid Primer. <laughs> that's it. There you go. Just if you ever want to listen to just some random Vocaloid, there you go. <laughs> Throw that on. Vocaloid's greatest hits, but biased personal preference. <laughs> If I get into Vocaloid now, I'm going to be really mad at you. But it is so good. <laughs> I know! That's the problem! I don't want another Dune situation. Well, it's just music. You can turn it off whenever. It's not like you have to sit there for four hours and watch a movie. M- M- Madison, you don't... You know me. You know that if I'm into something, it will consume all of my two brain cells for months at a time. Yes. <laughs> We have menthol illness. (laughs) You literally watched me and encouraged me to make a self-quarantine channel for my Jojo brain rot. Like, I'm aware. (laughs) And I didn't even, I didn't even get into, like, producers that people, that are, like, super famous that, like, everyone knows. Just because I wanted to go over producers that I personally like a lot. Mm. (laughs) Like, there's Rio, also known as Supercell, who is probably one of the biggest Vocaloid Wait. names. I know that name. Do I? Yeah. No, you do. 
because it's one of the they're one of the biggest vocaloid names um you've probably heard them there's deco 27 there's cosmo cosmo busu p there's pinocchio p there's fucking uh, yeah oh my god which song did you put on um the fucking is it the opening theme of goddamn that shitty anime but the song's so good probably <laughs> guilty crown yeah probably I'm getting very sidetracked. You shouldn't have done this to me. No, it's okay. I take full responsibility. <laughs> Rio is one of like the biggest names in the Vocaloid game as far as I'm aware. There's also there's like Honeyworks and there's Yama. There like there are there's White Flame, there's Yasuo. Like there are a bunch I didn't mention just because I wanted to talk about and highlight some producers that I personally like a whole lot. But there are a lot of like big name producers and and stuff who have like even if they don't make vocaloid music anymore they're like still out there making music but yeah i have talked for way too fucking long (laughs) i have not watched any anime recently we have been watching book of boba fett and i'm not gonna talk about it because it's spoilers but that's finished now so now i have to find something else to watch while i continue to wait for the rest of jojo's bizarre adventure stone ocean <laughs> to come out so Isn't there more star wars supposed to be coming out is it the obi-wan, obi-wan yeah. yeah the obi-wan kenobi show is <laughs> finally got a release date i think i want it to be called that just the obi-wan kenobi show and it's like Sesame Street, but it's just Obi-Wan. <laughs> and his years of unresolved war trauma? Yeah, you know. Fun for all the family. Uh, listen, I know I'm gonna have a good time watching grimy, sad Ewan McGregor run around in the <laughs> desert for however many episodes it is. And that's all I need. So, you know. Yeah, I don't get it. I just... Literally, I just watch it because I know y'all are going to be talking about it in the um, <laughs> in the Discord, and I want to understand because I guess I hate being left out of things or not understanding the in-jokes, but also, like, it just goes over my head. Like, I don't understand half of what's happening. I mean, that's valid. To be fair, the show didn't understand half of what was happening in <laughs> itself, so... Yeah, I think Boba Fett is my Blorbo-in-law, and I'm just watching to understand He what. is your... <laughs> He is your Blurbo-in-law. That's me with Detective Conan. I'm like, that's my Blurbo-in-law. I don't get much content for him, but I gotta send it to Suzanne. <laughs> gotta put it in the Discord. Um, I find it very funny that someone brought up Gintama, and I was like, oh, I tried watching it, and then I watched Detective Conan instead, and they were like... Because I said I got overwhelmed by the number of episodes in Gintama, and I watched Detective Conan, and they were like... I think you can watch, like, 300 episodes of Gintama if you can watch over a thousand episodes of Detective Conan. And I didn't know how to phrase, you're right, however, my brain doesn't make sense. However, I'm mentally <laughs> ill. <laughs> I don't- what is- what is Gintama about? I don't know. Yeah, that that's it. <laughs> uh, like, it's a comedy? History, 
alternate history late Edo period where humanity is attacked by aliens. Yeah. Okay. It plays very hard and fast with the rules. Like, I've seen random clips from it, and I don't think they have, like, a full context. Hmm. Okay, so it was, like, running the same time as, like, Naruto. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. It's another, like, Blorbo-in-law show for me, where it's kind of been in the periphery, and I can recognize some of the characters, and I've seen, like, a couple episodes, but I have never sat down to watch all of it, because, like, it's not just, like, those 300-odd episodes. There are, like, multiple seasons, so the first part is, like, 200 episodes, and Um. then the one after that is another, like, 50 episodes, and I was just like, I can't keep track of like which season i'm supposed to watch after whatever so i just i put it aside and watched a thousand episodes of a show from 1996 yeah no i'm not my brain looks at that number and goes hmm (laughs) i'm not in middle school anymore i can't do that yeah like how did i have the patience i mean i was watching every episode of naruto as it was coming out oh god fucking i do not have the patience to watch 300 episodes of (laughs) the same show anymore i don't think if i think about it jojo is pushing it's like halfway to 200 episodes if you count every single season it's like almost there it'll probably be there by the end of stone ocean naruto shipper then has 500 episodes yeah jesus christ who has the time i don't know how many total episodes i'm looking at it right now because i was like oh naruto had like 700 episodes that doesn't sound right but it's right uh okay shibuden had wait shibuden had 500 episodes i could what okay (laughs) no 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 i don't know why i thought the original series had more episodes than 220 no, there's 220 in the first one, and then Shippuden when there's like they they're teenagers, I so, guess. I don't understand Naruto. Seven seven hundred and twenty total. Yeah. That's which ridiculous. is still which is still almost three hundred less than One Piece. I don't understand how a show can be that long and have a plot. Because with Detective Conan, there kind of is a plot, but most of the episodes are like Monster of the Week type episodes. Where you can, like, skip a couple and still get the plot. But I just... And I assume there are some with, like, Naruto and One Piece, where it's just, like, episode of the week kind of thing. But, like... Yeah. There is an overarching plot with those shows. How the fuck do you keep up? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, JoJo has 152 episodes as of August 2020. So it'll... Depending on how many episodes of Stone Ocean there are, it'll probably hit 200. That's honestly just completely normal at this point. But it doesn't feel like it because each part is so distinctly different. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like you're watching 200 episodes of the same show. Yeah, I just... I cannot believe Naruto has like 700 episodes. I can't believe I watched almost all of (laughs) OG Naruto. Jesus. And if you're thinking, Suzanne, how can you say that? You watched a thousand episodes. I know. I know. It's still mind-boggling to me. Listen, I don't... It's my mental illness, but I don't get to pick the comfort show. I don't get to pick the hyper-focus comfort media that I am willing to put above everything else. I... Well, how many, hold on, let me... Hmm. How many episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars? 133. I watched 133 episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars. 
But yeah, we've been almost recording for two and a half hours, which is... To be fair, some of that was, like, bathroom breaks, so... That's true. But remember how I said, how I messaged you and was like, oh, I'll cut stuff out of my notes, and and yet here we are, like we are every time. We're not ending at midnight, at least, for me. Okay, good. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I tried. I, I'm really just making it worse for myself, because I'm the one who has to edit it. But anyway, I have not been watching a whole lot of anime, because... I am into video games now, and when I say video games, I mean oh. I am replaying Dragon Age Inquisition and um, being a weenie about doing the final quest. So I'm doing that thing where you do annoying side quests, like, I lost my ring in a field that is 500 miles away on this map, please find it, and then you get like 50 XP, but you're at level 100, so it doesn't make any fucking difference. And mm-hmm. I'm also replaying a visual novel called Our Life because the DLC recently dropped. Um, And apparently there are, like, other people who also play this game. But it's, like, this free visual novel. And because I'm cheap and don't have a lot of money, I don't buy games often. So I was like, I'll just try this out. And usually they're bad. But this one's very good. Mm. And it's, it's, like shockingly good for being free there are dlc that are actually optional like it's not like you're missing a huge chunk of the story if you don't get them basically the main focus is like you have basically like one love interest and they're still optional and his name is cove and basically the story is like you meet him as an eight-year-old and then you go through like different stages growing up with him and you can choose to have a relationship with him or not you can change your name in different phases you can change your pronouns between different phases love to see it yeah it's really cute it's really like thoughtful because the the wedding dlc just dropped so you can marry cove um your husband wow and um you can choose to be bride and groom or two grooms or like something else you can call your bridal party like your bridesmaids or something else you can be a boy in a wedding dress, and it's not, like, a huge deal. And you can have, like, a hand-fasting ritual at your wedding, or you can do, like, a Jewish-style wedding. And, like, I just like how thoughtful it is with all of these little details where you can choose stuff that, like, it doesn't necessarily matter to, like, the plot of the story, but it's just nice because it makes you feel like the story cares about, like, different people playing it, I guess, which I don't get in other yeah. in a lot of other visual novels, whether they're free or you pay for them, where it's like, it already has an idea of the kind of player that's going to be playing it. But yeah, it's just really cute. And that it's, sounds super cute. It is deeply, deeply cheesy. And I love it so much. Um, Listen, sometimes you just gotta have a little cheese. <laughs> that's not, it's not anime related whatsoever. I just wanted to talk about it, so. Listen, neither of us have really been watching anime, so we're allowed to talk about our other blurbos <laughs> from our other media. It's fine. Yep. But yeah, this was, like, I'm still, I'm gonna go back and listen to a bunch of those songs, but um, I'm just, like, shook that... There's this whole, I don't know. I feel like I walked into a classroom expecting one thing from this class and then I walk out and it's like 
the world is different now. Yeah, that was me literally getting into Vocaloid in 2019 being like, oh, okay, this is actually cool and nothing like I thought it was. Yeah, it's not just cute anime girls. There's like lore. People get fucking wild with it. Yeah. Like literally check out Mothy's stuff. Like the Evilist Chronicles has its own separate fandom wiki like completely 100% separate from the normal regular Vocaloid Wikipedia because it's just about the lore of his fucking series. I just It's wild. <sighs> Genuinely wild. Here, I'll go ahead and just send you my favorite song from him anyway. But if you would like to do the outro cuz we have been recording for <laughs> a bajillion years. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TwoEavesPod, or you can email us at leavesinatrenchcoat at gmail.com. You can join our Discord in the show notes. Our opening theme is My Way by Bitney, and the music you're listening to right now is What's the Angle by Shane Ivers. And I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. And Miku is love. Miku may be life, even though she's a robot. <laughs>